afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is the program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. I'll ensure the program's designed, well, for me. You know, there's a lot I don't understand that doesn't necessarily have to be something soul-shaky. It might just be something that's been on my mind for a while, bugging me a bit. And I find that rather than getting into a deep chapter-and-verse theological discussion, a casual front porch-style talk with the pastors, best way to understanding. Well, that's what this program is all about. Today's guest is Andrew Preuss, pastor of St. Paul and Trinity Lutheran Churches up in Iowa. Now, I have my questions. I'm sure you have yours. You can send your questions to us by email at any time at letstalk at kfuo.org or call in during the program. If you're in the St. Louis area, and that includes Metro East, you can call in at area code 314-821-0850. Or anywhere else in North America, you can call us toll-free at 1-800-730-2727. Pastor Preuss, welcome to the welcome to the front porch. Hey, thanks. Good to be back. Well, I tell you, here we are in St. Louis, and it is sweltering, of course. I mean, this is St. Louis. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm in uh, somewhere in Iowa. I can't remember the name of the town exactly. Somewhere in Cedar Rapids area at the Iowa East uh, District Convention. Um, and I'm sitting outside in the shade of the tree, um, and it's probably about, I'd say, probably 95 Ouch. degrees and lots of humidity. So, Well, you know, I used to live out in the uh, Southern California desert, and it was not unusual for temperatures there to hit 115 or even higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember people, well, it's a dry heat. Well, so is my oven. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> so... So I'm really kind of glad to be back in, in Missouri. Believe me, I grew up here, and uh, like an idiot, I left the area as a young man seeking fame and fortune. And after 40-some-odd years, I said, what on earth am I doing? I want to go home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, no, there's nothing like home. You know, you're right. You're absolutely right. And, you know, sometimes it's the basics that we think about, and mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason we have to sit back and stop and think you know what's important in life yeah and and one of the things that that really has gotten to me is that just just recently a couple of friends of mine have gotten some very unfortunate news medically and uh you know what do you do when that happens when you really get some horrible news you know maybe for yourself maybe for a loved one how does the Christian respond to that? You know, I I was talking to uh, one of my coworkers out here, and, uh, and he came up with I think was a very profound observance. He said, "As Christians, it shouldn't hold us any terror." He says, "But boy, I don't know how a person of who doesn't have faith can deal with it." Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that that's absolutely right. I mean, I and and we shouldn't want to know. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was actually just talking to uh, just talking to a friend of mine about this. Uh, uh, I I did my um, my STM uh, thesis on the cross and the life of a Christian, according to the old Lutheran teachers. And uh, one of the things that they would talk about is the difference between the consolation that philosophy and the what kind of natural law gives. Um, and the consolation that the, the Christian message of the gospel gives. 
Um, and, you know, the world can give some basic uh, consolation that is, uh, you know, that can give some amount of comfort. And, uh, and so it's not that it's not really real comfort, but at the same time, it isn't really real comfort. So, I mean, I'm, what I'm saying is that I think you can, they're sincere um, when they might say, oh, well, you know, he's, um, he, he lives on in your memories, you know, if someone dies or, or uh, you know, you, you, you can get through this, just have some hope, you know, and, and, and think positively, you know. These are kind of general things that you, that you hear from the world. And I think people are sincere, and, but yet at the same time, they're lacking um, that which uh, makes us truly sincere, and that's the gospel, because, you know, all men are liars, really, mm-hmm. and that, that's the state of our, our natural desires. But really, you're right. I mean, if you're not a Christian, there's really nothing um, enduring that you can go to. And so, I mean, the, and of course, we know that we take comfort in the, the resurrection of the dead, and, and that death cannot... Uh, Death cannot, uh, you know, slay us. Even if it takes us, it, it, it's just a slumber because Christ has taken away our sin. Because the wages of sin is death, and if Christ has taken away our sin, well, then we don't need to be afraid of death. And yet, as you point out, you hear this devastating news. Mm-hmm. It's still devastating to the Christian when you find out that you have terminal illness or, or something like that. Well, um, but, you know, I, one of the things I look at, you know, from a Christian point of view— is that we're all dying, you know. Uh, yeah. I'm here today, but tomorrow's a gift. Mm-hmm. And if I'm here, it's only because God wants me to be here. You know, I might not get home alive tonight. I know that. Mm-hmm. And it's it's something that I am maybe just because I'm starting to get older. I'm I'm very aware of you know that my time is limited. But it is you know t- you live today, think about tomorrow, but know that it's not a, it's not guaranteed. You're yeah. not, not on this earth at any rate. You know, it is a gift. And if the time is up and if God calls you, if you have faith, your sins are forgiven. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's what we always rest on. That's what we always rely on. I mean, we can't, we can't possibly rely on our own legacy or, you know, it, 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 it certainly reminds me of the story of the, of the rich fool in, in St. Luke's Gospel. Uh, Jesus tells the parable of a man who has all this grain, and then he builds two barns to hold all his grain. And then God says, you fool, your soul is mine, is required of you tonight. You know, and then he, he loses everything. So it, it, these things are, I guess, the, the, the way that I would re- remind your friend who has, uh, or your friends who have found out devastating news, um, is that these things are good. Um, they're not, they, they don't look good, they don't seem good, they don't feel good, but they teach us to rely on the gospel of Christ. And they teach us that we can't rely on, our, on ourselves. And, uh, you know, it's the, Martin Luther would often call this the, the school of experience and the Holy Spirit. You know, the Word of God isn't just some academic thing, right? It's it's a, it's a, it's a living, active, uh, you know, two-edged sword piercing through bone and marrow, and it and it, it applies to our lives. And so, you know, often, uh, like I just preached a sermon on Sunday, 
Um, and I, kind of the, one of the points I was making, it was, sort of, it was based on what Jesus says in Luke 6, be merciful as your Father is merciful. Well, okay, you consider you are already counted righteous. You're already considered to be as Christ is. But now here's Jesus admonishing you to be like that, right? So, so the distinction here is, is having everything that Christ has, everything, the, the, the inheritance that he has from eternity is yours, and he won it for you, and it's yours in full in, you know, by the promise of your baptism through faith in him. It's another thing to learn what that means. And we learn what this means throughout our lives. And when bad things happen to us, we have to struggle against the terrors, um, the terrors outside of us and the fears within. These are good things. This is part of learning what it means of who we really are. So we don't lose focus of who we really are, that we're God's children. Well, you know, I, I say and I, I mean absolutely that I'm not afraid of death, but I am afraid of dying. I, I'm, I'm reminded of a, of a friend of mine I knew, oh gosh, 30, 40 years ago. We were about the same age, played softball together. And he found out that he had about 90 days to live. Came out of the blue. He wasn't expecting it. And, you know, I can accept, I'm not, I might not get home to live tonight, but to know that sometime in the next three months, yeah, I'm going to be gone. Yeah. That is scary to me. But, you know, there's, there's, there's another aspect to this that, that I wanted to bounce off you and get your, your perspective on. Uh, there's a singer by the name of Tim McGraw. You may have heard of him. Yeah, yeah. And he had a pop song, a hit song, I should phrase, called Live Like You Were Dying. Oh, sure, yeah. And I think this has got some very, very good advice, and I'm going to just recite a couple of lines from it. it. said, and I loved deeper, and I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness. I've been dying. I've been denying. And someday I hope that you get the day, the chance to live like you were dying. Yeah, that was a... Uh, I remember when that song was popular um was on the radio all the time and uh i don't know i kind of i went through like a, a modern country music phase I, i'm kind of going back to uh to an old kind of the old uh, outlaw country music phase you know the you know willie whalen and and the boys and um but yeah but anyway that, that tim mcgraw song yeah it's i mean there's there's definitely a lot of truth to that and um it is it is that wisdom that again you know this kind of comparison that the old Lutheran teachers would make between you know, this distinction between the philosophical kind of worldly comfort, which might actually be pretty good advice, right? Pretty good counsel for kind of outwardly. Mm-hmm. And then there's the true Christian comfort. And so this is not to, to, to put down the comfort that we might glean from the law as though it's totally worthless. I mean, no, I mean, it might... It, you know, you listen to that Tim McGraw song, he doesn't say anything really about Christ. He, he, he talks about forgiveness, but even that could, you know, that's kind of a virtue. But he talks about these virtues. He talks about living, in a, you know, uh, living, living to uh, uh, being, you know, being joyful for what you have. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but see, what the gospel does is the gospel teaches us that our joy is truly with, with Christ. Um, that our our joy is looking forward to the resurrection of the dead, to life everlasting, and that um, and so there's kind of and 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 there's something too that you can be that we should always be careful of, 
Um, because, like I said, you know, the law is good, but our natural understanding of it can often be tainted. It's, it's often tainted with sin and with, with kind of pride and all that. And so you kind of have this, you know, live life to the fullest. Well, you know, what does that really mean? I mean, that sounds ah, nice, There you but, go. There, that's, you know, that is the question. What yeah. does it mean to live to the fullest? Exactly. I mean, is that just like, is, is that just some proud you know, kind of arrogant way of saying, I'm going to just be the best person I could be so I can kind of gloat and, and kind of, you know, when I die, say, well, I lived a good life. Or does it mean, you know, trust in Christ and enjoy the good gifts that he gives you, but don't be, a, don't be sad when they're taken away because you know that the one who gave you those gifts in the first place is the one who has promised you eternal life. So you can see his joys in all good things. Yeah. Well, absolutely. But again, you know, it's, it's what constitutes a good life. It's not necessarily just feeling good. It's uh, again. I'm going to quote. A, I'm going to quote another verse here from the song. It says, "I was finally the husband that most of the time I wasn't, and became a friend a friend would like to have. And all of a sudden, going fishing was in such an imposition, and I went three years that three times that year I lost my dad." And I finally read the good book, and I took a good, long, hard look about what I'd do if I could do it all again. Wow. Yeah, and again, you know, that, it's a great, I think that's another great example of, you know, the kind of wisdom that you can get from the law. Um, and, you know, he mentioned the good book. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, he, it, it's still about the law. Now, this, this isn't... Uh, isn't a bad thing. You know, this is a good thing to realize. And these are good lessons to learn that, you know, you, you learn about what things are the most important here on earth. Um, and, uh, and it's good for us to reflect on it. We shouldn't just say, um, you, we shouldn't treat, uh, we got to be careful that when we say that like our true home is in heaven, that we then go on to disparage all the good gifts that God gives us here on earth. Right. Yeah. We still, it's still good to recognize, as, as the small catechism says, you know, that we pray, pray God that we would recognize these things and receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. That God does give us um, good things here on earth, and it's a good thing to recognize that. You know, to realize that going fishing with your children, you know, hanging out with your wife and being a good husband, you know, th th these, these, are, these are good things. And God does teach us through experience... Um, but God also will teach us to appreciate these gifts, and I think that's what mm -hmm. what that verse is saying, is that yeah. God was God was graceful in that He gave him the time, yeah, to fully appreciate the gifts. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I mean that's so. I mean, it, it is a a heartwarming song when you when you when you think of that that uh, you know He's talking about the outward the, these gifts. That, that you learn to appreciate that, that they, you know, they come from God. And so there's, you know, certainly great wisdom there. What the song is lacking is the gospel. I mean, it, it comes, it, it seems to come close. He mentions forgiveness. He talks about the good book and stuff like that, looking back. And he kind of, he seems to be talking about repentance, right? Which is a good thing. Um, and, uh, and these are, you know, it's, a, I, I really love to listen to like Cat Stevens, Father and Son, you know, that that's one of my favorite oh, songs. Oh, Cats in where, the Cradle? No, not Cats in the Cradle. That's not written by Cat Stevens. Everyone always thinks it is. But Cat Stevens, he's now, his name's like Yusuf Islam. He converted, oh, yeah, yeah. He converted to Islam. Too bad. But but he was, you know, he, he's he got some good songs. Some of his songs are hippie, kind of, you know, 
nonsense. Like if you I want remember to remember, he did the Peace out. Train and a couple of other songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the one song I really like is Father and Son. You know where he's. It's just this good wisdom from a father to a son and kind of the struggle between the two. It's not necessarily, it doesn't have a particular Christian message. In fact, as, an, as a Muslim, he can still sing it, and he does. Uh, <laughs> but it still has this outward wisdom that when you're going through any tough time, it's good to reflect on. And those are the things that we can we can find that from the law, but the, the, the true gospel uh, comfort is that our sins have been taken away by the blood of the Lamb, that we are claimed to be God's own in our baptism, that we have been promised eternal life, the resurrection of our bodies. And so that's, uh, so I think it's a good thing to recognize when people in the world whose faith is, you don't really know exactly how devoted they are to, you know, um, might they, but they, yet they might say some things that are wise, that are they're outwardly wise, and 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 that's good. That's that's uh, so you know these these country songs and these folk songs, you can find some good in them. You know, uh, that that that's uh, you can find some good outward worldly wisdom, but the true comfort that we have is in is in the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and that's what we need to remember. Well, one of the people who who I look at as a personal inspiration to me is the late Maggie Kerner. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. From uh, yeah, the, the, she was she recently died of cancer, right? Yeah, back um, uh, I, I think it was back in 2015, and mm -hmm. uh, she yeah. she was diagnosed with uh, glioblastoma, uh, which is nearly always fatal. Yeah, and she fought with joy and with love and she stayed as long as possible and she was going to make her last months on earth worth it and worth and not just worth it but a tribute to god too yeah and uh yeah no i remember that and that was uh I, especially when there was that girl who had uh committed yeah Brittany. yeah and then and then maggie made a very wonderful Christian confession, you know, that she is in the, was in the same situation where she had cancer, but was, uh, wasn't going to take her life as if it's her, her own, her own life to take, but commended it to the care of, of Christ, her savior, who promises to raise it up on the last day. I mean, that's just wonderful, a wonderful Christian confession. And on top of that, as you mentioned, that she remained so positive, and that's exactly, I think, getting to, to my point is that, you know, the world can display some positive attitude, um, but the, the, the Christian joy, you know, that a Christian who, and by the way, I totally agree with your sentiments. I mean, that scares me, too. I would say that, that you, you, it's one thing to, dying, death is one thing, but dying, that whole, like, finding out, receiving a death sentence, basically. That is terrifying. I, I totally agree with you. And, and and that's why I admire, you know, Maggie so much that she was so brave and displayed this. But why was she so brave and displayed such a joy for life, for the life that God gave her? Because she knew her Savior. Yes. And she was so confident. And this is what, I mean, I get to see this. One of the big, great privileges uh, as a pastor is I get to see, I get to see Christians die. 
And you might think, well, that doesn't sound like a great privilege, but it is the greatest privilege. I get to see the greatest moments of their lives when they are commending themselves to their Heavenly Father, to their Savior. I had a lady one time who um, I visited her a few days before, and then I found out that she was taking the turn for the worse. I went up and saw her. She was on, she was, you know, there her family was gathered around and did the commendation of the dying. I read through Matthew's Passion uh, narrative, uh, uh, and then I read through uh, St. John's uh, Resurrection narrative, and right when I got to the resurrection, right after I, I, I read the resurrection story, she died. Mm. And and the, the, the kind of the 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 courage this doesn't you know that, that you find in these saints it doesn't come from them. This is something that can only come from the gospel, and it's not it's not driven by um, pride. You know, I remember watching this this. Uh, 20 minutes, uh, I think it was a 20 minutes, uh, uh, no, not 20 minutes, I had 20 minutes and 60 minutes, 2020, I think it was, with, um, who was that guy who was on, uh, uh, he was, he was, he was on those 80s movies, um, uh, he was, uh, like, kind of a dancer and stuff, uh, uh, I forget his name. You're not talking about but... Charles Crowdhammer, are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, uh, no. The guy from uh, from the eighties, uh, Patrick Swayze. That's right, Patrick mm. Swayze. And he had pancreatic cancer, which is almost a death sentence. I mean, yeah. that's basic. I mean, that very few people survive that. And he is fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. And he's talking about how he's so determined to fight this. And he had this great determination on his face and this great determination in the way that he was speaking. And he was talking to Barbara Walters, and he was. It, but he was like, so there was nothing about Christ. It was all like his, he was finding the determination within his own will. And to, in a worldly standard, it seemed impressive. Wow, this guy's confident. He's fearless before death. And it, yeah, that's probably why you brought up Krauthammer. He recently died. And I, you know, you, you would, people say the same thing about him, that he never really was afraid. But, but anyway, with Patrick Swayze, it kind of made me sad when I was listening to this because I'm thinking, he hasn't said anything about his about Jesus, his Savior. Yeah. And I don't even know if he believes. And, and all of this confidence, which seems so inspirational to the world, um, is just in vain if it's not grounded in our crucified and risen Lord Jesus Christ. I see the point. Um, boy, that's a lot to think about. And, and you know, there's other kinds of catastrophic news that'll happen to you. You suddenly find out your spouse is dying. You will find out that uh, you're losing your job. You'll find out that oh, there was there's an earthquake. You know, you come out of the earthquake, and what have, what do you see? Or a hurricane, things like that. And you know, how do you go through that? I mean, again, that's that's part of the catastrophic news. It's not just that you're facing death. But there are horrible things that happen, and and you'll you'll get this horrible news throughout your life. Yeah, everybody does. And yeah. and you know, you know, I look back at my life, and you know, there were times I got some horrible news, and you know, thank the Lord I had the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what's interesting too. As Christians, it's much harder for us to numb ourselves from reality. 
because God doesn't let us. And that's what's interesting is that you can get a certain comfort from the world that is just kind of, it sort of distracts you from the reality, right? And, and, and you can say, so how is it that people cope with death? Well, see, I think that as Christians, we got to keep in mind that we have a much more vivid um, understanding of the realities of death than anyone else, because we know why we die. We know that death is the wages of sin, and it's God's punishment for sin, you know? And that's kind of, and that's where it's sort of at the, we both understand how horrible death is, and yet we also, and it's, it's, it's necessary for us to understand that so we can understand the comfort of the gospel. So it's kind of, you know, how do people cope? Well, they have to necessarily just kind of find a distraction, I guess. And yet we can't, because God won't lie to us. He won't let us, you know, he, he, he won't let us ignore what's real. <laughs> well, we got to take a break here at the bottom of the hour, but boy, this, we're getting into some real, real meat here. And I want to continue this right after we come back. Stay tuned. Live Friday on Issues Etc. We'll play Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Week. It's an opportunity for you to win the Lutheran Public Radio Bundle Package. And I have Issues T-shirt, an Issues Etc. Travel mug, pen, bumper sticker, and notepad. Vote in advance at Facebook.com slash Issues ETC. Issues Etc. Live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. Hi, this is Pastor Matt Youngblood-Clark. And this is Pastor Jolly John Lukomsky. Matt, I'm trying to think what would be a good theme verse for uh, wrestling with the basics, like John 3.16? Or... Well, I think I've got one, John. Yeah? Uh, how about Acts 2, verse 15? What is it? For these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. That's perfect! All right, now, there's no time for foolishness. Wrestling, wrestling with, with the, the basics. basics. 9.05 Saturday mornings on KFUO. Where we take God's word seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. You hear our voices every day as we speak the gospel, share the latest news, or for insightful and sometimes entertaining talk. Why not share your voice with us and send us your feedback, suggestions, and questions? Leave your comment at 314-996-1542. Be sure to follow us on social media, too, so you can like, comment, and share your favorite posts. Drop an email to KFUO at KFUO.org or send a snail mail letter to Worldwide KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. 
called America's Most Famous School Book. The New England Primer is what school children in colonial America used for learning to read and for understanding the world around them. And the Christian Bible was used to play a large role in shaping that understanding. Containing spelling lists, prayers, and moral stories, as well as catechisms for religious study, it said the Primer gave the child a map to a world larger than himself a wider spectrum of understanding, and better selection of materials to heighten a child's awareness beyond daily life. Biblical selections from the King James Bible were interpreted by a Puritan worldview of sin and salvation. Memorization was key. Children would not only memorize the alphabet, but also learn rhymes and poems with biblical themes. Engage with this book in the unfolding of its many applications. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible. Welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. My guest pastor today is Pastor Andrew Preuss of uh, two churches up in Iowa. And we are discussing how the Christian reacts to catastrophic news. If you're in the St. Louis area, we'd love to have you join us. And you can call us, uh, including Metro East, at area code 314-821-0850, or anywhere in North America, toll-free at 1-800-730-2727. Or you can even email us at letstalk at kfuo.org. Well, Pastor, we're, we're talking uh, about the gospel message, you know, and how we can see this and how it gets us through really horrible situations. I, uh, back in 19, it was 1979, I was uh, living in Mobile, Alabama. I was a news director for a station down there. And we had a horrible hurricane, Hurricane Frederick, just devastated the city. And one of the, to me, one of the interesting things about it was, uh, how we we'd talk to various pastors and, and psychologists and other people on the air to, to discussing how, how to cope with the situation. And there would be the situation where a person would come out and say, oh, thank heavens, I'm alive. Oh, this is wonderful. And then they look around, my home is destroyed, my job is gone. No, I'm not all that lucky that I survived. <laughs> yeah. And... And we had, uh, you know, there, there there were some pastors who would get on the air and say, you know, the most important message we have to point out is that this is not God's punishment. Well, let's talk about that. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. Thank you. That's such a good thing to talk about. That is one of my biggest pet peeves. When, when the gospel turns into God doesn't punish, that's not the gospel. I mean, that's just nonsense. So God's just not in control then. So stuff just happens, just, you know, without God, like God fell asleep or something, and then a tornado came. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that we we got to be careful when we, you know, when people say soothing and comforting things that aren't actually truly the gospel. And uh, the gospel is that Jesus turned God's punishment away. And that what that means then is that God will send things. Um, but he does so um, as your father to, to, to chasten you and to drive you closer to rely on his word and not on the things of this world. Um, you know, that, that, that's, uh, so it, it, for someone to say, you know, it's kind of like, let's say you're, you're, um, 
you know, so let's say someone loses his house, you know, a tornado comes and he's, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's really, he's, he's really in a bind and he's wondering about well, what, what is, what is God saying here? Well, I mean, we don't know all of what God is saying. God is a lot of things God hides from us, but what, what God does teach us in his word, and this is what we, what we learned that we don't know God apart from his word, but because we know him in his word, we can look at the things that happened here on earth and derive from his word what God's will is. So, I mean, what does God's word say? Well, the man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So if you lose everything, well, then God is teaching you not to rely on those things and to rely on him. And, yeah, it seems like a really hard and tough uh, you know, exercise, discipline, and lessons to learn. But, you know, it, when you're in heaven with your resurrected body, you know, uh, you're not going to... You, you'll forget. You'll forget everything. Uh, forget all the anguish for the joy of uh, of the man Jesus Christ. So, yeah, that's. It's really. It really annoys me when I hear that kind of stuff. Like, well, God doesn't punish. That's not. That's nonsense. I mean, come on. This is. You don't. You don't punish your children. I mean, certainly we can distinguish between a punishment in wrath and a punishment in. Um, you know, a, a, from a fatherly heart, you know, like, um, you know, like the psalmist says, rebuke me, but not in your wrath, right? Or, or in Lamentations, uh, uh, Jeremiah says, you know, God does not afflict from the heart, right? He afflicts, but he does it as a father, as one who wants to, wants you to have true repentance and faith in him, so that you have your true treasure. Well, Pastor, we got a caller on the line, Cindy from St. Louis. Cindy, what, uh, what, what do you want to say? Well, um, I'm very interested in your conversation because um, in 2017, um, my uh, maybe it was yeah it was no I'm sorry it was 16. My mother died, and um, my mother lived with us for 19 months before um, she died. And now she was not young; she was um, so um, she was 95 when she began to live with us. Um, she was um, unable to take real good care of herself, so that's why she came to stay with us. And I considered that a privilege, and we didn't have any um, strong kinds of things that, like she didn't have lots of illness or anything like that. But my mother, I was raised in the Evangelical and Reformed Church. My mother was still a member of that church. So, and I didn't know how long I would have to speak to her. So um, I, and I am um, an LCMS Lutheran, and so, um, so I started out talking to my mother, uh, reading Bible stories to her, and, um, and then telling her, pre- preparing her um, for, to meet Jesus. And I would tell her things like, um, here's what's going to happen. Um, what what really is good, Mom, is that God takes our breath from us, and it, and there's no struggle. And and then and my mother's favorite verse was John three sixteen, and we would start in talking, and she would say, "Cindy, God so loved the world," and then I would finish the verse, and um, and we did that. I mean, that was done on a pretty much a daily basis, and I told her that um, God rejoices in the death of of His saints. And that we do not, uh, we don't mourn as those who have no hope. And our hope is in Jesus. And, I mean, it was, she got Jesus, um, Jesus, Jesus, and a little more Jesus. 
And so, and it was a privilege. It was wonderful. It was lots of rejoicing. And, um, and then she was, um, I brought her home two days before she died. And she, I mean, she walked in the house and, but then the next, she was in hospice for two days and she, and then she died. And, and, and I was talking to her and I said, mom, pretty soon. And I, I had told her all those, all those months that, um, the an- angels would surround us and we would be in the room together and, uh, and she would, um, and, and God would take her breath, and she would be whisked away, and she would be um, in the presence of Jesus immediately. And and that how good and glorious that would be. Everything on earth would pass away. You won't remember. I mean, the, it'll you'll be in such bliss that um, you won't miss us. Because her big deal was she'd miss my brother and I. And um, and you won't miss us because Jesus will fulfill all. He'll be in place of all that missing. That you won't have to miss us. And and those are, and I constantly. I mean, it was like um, I constantly reinforced, reinforced constantly. And um, I have a friend who is dying of. Um, I mean, she has myasthenia gravis, and it's close, maybe close to the end. And. Um, and I've talked to her a little bit. I think it's a pleasure to talk to people who have, um, who are nearing the end of life because number one, it gives it ups your faith, and it and then it ups it ups their faith, and because um, God's given us such good news, there is no better news than Jesus Christ and His resurrection, and and it was for us. He died for me. And that's one of the things that I still instilled in my mother. My mom had a real hard time believing she was a sinner, and my mother was um, was pretty much of a sainted person. Um, but I told her, you know, I said, Mom, I, I guarantee you, you are a sinner, because otherwise you wouldn't have needed Jesus. Oh. And and it was, I mean, and, and she would be, uh, like her jaw would drop. <laughs> so it was, I mean, it was, it was the best time. It was the best time. Kip, I encourage you to talk to your friends. Because, um, and I know the devastating news, it's devastating, but there's hope. It, they're going to live again. It's not like there's no hope. So um, those are just a few things I wanted to share. Wow, thanks. For sh- that's a beautiful story. Thanks. Pastor, I think Cindy explained it even better than you did. <laughs> well, you know, that, that when, you, when you have stories like that where the gospel concretely applies, and that's, you know, that really shows that God's Word is a living, active thing. What what her story reminded me of was uh, from Proverbs 31, you know, which is talks about this this uh, this woman, you know, who's this ideal woman, and she's a, a, a ideal wife and mother and all that stuff. And, you know, sometimes, you know, pious Christian women will read this and be like, and, and, and they might, their first thought might, might be, oh, this is just a a long list of things that I have to do, and I can never fulfill this. But that's not the point. The point of it is that this is an adorning of a Christian woman, a Christian mother, a Christian wife. And one of the things that it says in there is that her children shall rise up and call her blessed. And that's what Cindy's mother experienced, that her daughter rose up and called her blessed by telling her the gospel, by reminding her that she is a sinner, something that the world isn't going to want to 
you know, the world and the sinful flesh and the devil are definitely going to, you know, not tell her. Um, but, you know, to have that, that courage and faith and, uh, you know, and joy in the gospel to tell your mother the gospel is a wonderful thing. And that's, and in a simple way, and you know, it's funny, you mentioned like John three sixteen. people assume that this is just kind of the, you know, basic sort of lowest standard gospel. That is such a jam packed, uh, verse. There's so much in there. You can explain so many things just from that one verse. And so it's great. I mean, you, you, God's Word is so—my point is that God's Word is so rich. And, um, and, and even if you're explaining even just the simplest thing, you know, like that God delights in precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints, or Psalm 116. I mean, that's—there's so much in that. And, um, and what God gives us, then, on top of that, is experiences of kind of plowed fields. You know, a plowed field doesn't necessarily look— so nice, but it's no. the perfect spot for the seed to fall and bear fruit, and and God does it all. So, yeah, great story. I appreciate it. And it it's really for you as well. It was really a wonderful, wonderful story, and about how sometimes catastrophic news can be beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and I and I, you know, again, you know, as I was saying before, it's that's one of the privileges of being a pastor is to see Christians die. Um, because they die when when they die with that confession, um, and even I mean this is another thing too, because um, I don't want to romanticize it. There are times when you know you 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 confront real fear, you know even some doubt. Oh yeah, and and that's not and that's not uh, that's that's not unusual. That's not something that uh, we shouldn't get the impression that every time a Christian dies that he's just he's just sitting there. Oh yeah, I'm going to heaven, and that's blah blah blah. blah. Some of them are. They just, you know, they just have such peace, and that's a gift from God. But sometimes they're, uh, you know, I remember having a guy, uh, a few, you know, a few days before he died, asking me, "Do you ever have doubts?" You know, mm-hmm. and it was just, I was so glad that he brought it up, and I could tell that he was, and I, you know, that he was struggling with it. I said, "Yeah, absolutely. This is why our sufficiency isn't in us. We, we look at what Christ did. He rose from the dead." That's indisputable. You know, if he has risen from the dead. He has proven his word to be true, and nothing can overtake that. And that means that your baptism, whereby, you know, that means that when he died, he really did take away your sin. That means that when you were baptized, he really did claim you as his own. That means that when you receive the body and blood of Jesus, you really are receiving his body and blood for the forgiveness of your sin. You rely on that. You don't rely on your own faith. It's like my, my, um, my, my wife's grandmother, when she was dying, she... She said to her pastor, um, I don't know if my faith is strong enough. And he said, don't rely on your faith. Rely on Christ, because that's what your faith relies on. Mm. So, so yeah, it's, it's a great privilege to—you learn a lot. You learn wisdom. And that's how Moses says, teach us to number—it it, it teaches you to number your days so that you may gain a heart of wisdom, as Moses says in Psalm 90. I find myself, uh, <clears throat> I find myself almost envying Cindy. Uh, as you know, I'm a widower, and uh, when my wife was dying, she was terrified, and uh, nothing that I could do. She was Episcopalian; her her priest would come by and talk. Nothing that any of us could do would ease her fear. And I got to tell you, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. 
and that's where you know and th- those are those are moments too when you god teaches us through experience he teaches us through his word but it's always within experience and so it's not that our experience determines the truth rather his truth helps clarify and shape our experiences and and, and uh, so that and then we, we better understand you know how to trust in god and that's that's it's one of those things when, when you, you learn that in those situations that you can't control how God's Word is working and how people are reacting to it. And you learn that you can't really, you know, sometimes you just want to, you want them to react the way that you think they should react, right? And it's yeah. not just with death, it's with so many things. You know, it's like maybe you're getting married and your wife doesn't seem as happy as you do. Well, maybe she expresses her emotions in a different way, you know, so just stuff like that. And you can just get worried that people are not, um, not, not reacting in the way that you think they should. And yet if that's when it, when you learn to re- rely on God's judgment, to rely on God who searches the heart and that, that, that the mercy of God, where he's not going to put out, um, a, 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 a smoldering wick, right? Yeah. And that, and that's something that that's a great comfort. You know, he's not, um, he, he, God is far from the haughty, right? He's far from the wicked. And those who, um, may be confused on some things, um, but are relying on Christ, um, even so weakly, uh, relying on Christ, uh, we, we take great comfort in that Christ is a strong savior. And that his word is is truth, and um, and that's you know we learn to rely on that. Well, so, well, Cindy also broached on something I think is very important. Is she mentioned that her mother was was uh, evangelical? Yeah, and uh, the idea that she believed she hadn't sinned. Yeah, uh, I remember uh, I was talking to one of the pastors here at the center. And he he was relating about how he had been talking to a, an evangelical pastor. The pastor had said, well, I haven't sinned for the past 18 years. And our pastor said, golly, that's a shame that you just blew it this year with the sin of pride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's what, I mean, what a great thing to have a daughter who's honest with you. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's one of the dangerous things of kind of American Christianity and stuff like that is that, it does lead to that kind of, um, you know, that when when you don't have when the sacraments are not God's gifts of salvation to you know mm-hmm. delivered to you, um, but rather things that you do, and everything becomes really about ordinances that you are kind of observing. Well, then, even though if you know if people who are reformed, they're not, you, most of them are not going to say that they're not sinners, right? <laughs> and they know they know the doctrine of original sin at least to an extent, um, but you know, that, that does kind of happen when you have a little leaven, leaven, little lump. But what a wonderful thing for her to have a daughter who does know the truth. Oh, absolutely. Who's going to keep her grounded in it and have the courage and love for her mother to tell her the truth, right? And so many people, like one thing that that I'll, once in a while I'll do a funeral and maybe the daughter or son or whatever, some relative who doesn't go to church will come up to me and say, like, thanks for thanks for visiting mom or dad or whoever um, you know, it really meant a lot to her. And I'm always saying, hey, yeah, you're welcome. You know, it's my pleasure. It's my, you know, I always say, you know, it's my duty as a Christ minister to feed his lambs, you know, and but that's the point is that 
it's not just that it meant a lot to her. There's a lot of things that mean a lot to us, and some of them are idols. Mm. And we need we need God to crush our idols so that he would show us the one thing needful, and that's what Cindy did for her mom. She crushed her idols and said, no, you're a sinner. If you weren't a sinner, Jesus wouldn't be your Savior. And just, boom, you know, told her the truth. What a wonderful, just, uh, man, I can't think of a better thing to have at the end of your life. Um, and the fact that she recognized it. Yeah. That was a thing that got me, not just the, the daughter was telling him the truth, but that the mother realized that that was true. Yeah, that it actually had an effect on her. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I mean, that's, but see, the thing, that this is, it's amazing how afraid people are to, to say this. And I feel in my own flesh, this kind of this, this desire to want to just please people and not get them upset and just kind of affirm them in what they already believe. And we all have this desire because we all by nature are sinful and we are mm-hmm. dishonest and all men are liars. And, but that's when, that's why you rely on Christ and the new man then arises with that strong, bold confession saying, no, this is the truth. And it may hurt to hear it. It may make your jaw drop, but it's going to save you. Yeah. And it's going to be your only hope <laughs> at, the, well, at the end of the day. Well, I know, you know, for example, when I go to the communion rail and, and, and take the, the body and blood, I know at that moment I'm forgiven, and I also also know that by the time I get back to my pew, I will I will have sinned again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and that's a, that's why um, we, we, we this is kind of a difference uh, between how we see sin and the means of grace, and how the Roman Catholic Church teaches sin and the means of grace. For the Roman Catholic Church. Sin is like, well, you got your original sin that gets wiped away at baptism, and then you just have particular sins that kind of add up, and then you kind of make do penance for them, right? And you, so you go to the sacrament in order to receive grace, so that then you can kind of sort of make up for and purge away the sin. And so you, so the sin just kind of starts compiling again. But see, that's not how it works. That's not how the scriptures speak no. of it. Um, the scriptures speak that we have a sinful heart by nature. And God forgives us, and yes, He purges away our sins throughout our lives, and that we grow in holiness and grow in understanding and of, of of His of His Word and His love. But it's not like when we go back to the communion rail that now every sin that you are committing is not covered by, you know, every sin that you commit after you you have taken the sacrament. That that, that no, those sins are, are not covered. No, of course they are. Yeah, I know. Um, this is. So and that and and but th- but you're right though it's still a humbling thing, um, and yet it teaches you to rely on uh, on God's promises. It's like with praying the Lord's Prayer. I mean, there are times when <laughs> I pray the Lord's Prayer, I'm not really thinking about all the words. But then all of a sudden, I realize, whoa, I don't. I I know what I prayed because I prayed it a million times, but you know, it can be kind of a mindless thing. Well, then you can take comfort in the fact that you just go right, right right through again and think about some of the petitions and say, hey, these are the things that God has promised me. And that's what God wants. Yeah. He wants you to, what is required of you? That you hear his voice, as Jeremiah says. You know, if he doesn't require all these sacrifices, he requires that you hear his voice and you that you re- rely on that. Well, I'm. Uh, <laughs> there's something very similar to that. Yeah, I am hearing impaired. Uh, I, I do wear hearing aids. And they help, but they don't restore it 100%. And I find, you know, when I go to church now, I sit up at one of the front pews. Not because I'm a front pew person, but because I can't hear. Mm. And the thing is, is that I find 
that I start, I'm finding myself listening much more intently to the sermons than sure. I did before. So I think I can say that that my hearing loss has given me an insight, has given me an ability now to really hear the word. Yeah, that is interesting. That's really interesting. Well, it's kind of like, I remember um, my dad, um, I was telling my dad about this 18-hour fast, you know, and um, and I just do it without thinking because I just don't eat until, you know, till later. And I just, but anyway, mm. he, he, he decided to do it, um, on a Saturday night. He, he didn't eat from Saturday at seven to probably one o'clock or something on Sunday afternoon. And, you know, and my dad's a little older and stuff. So and he's not used to that. He, he's just kind of, he said, boy, I was during the service. Cause, you know, he's a pastor. He's got two services. And he's like, boy, I really had to concentrate, but I found, you know, but then he, you know, we we're talking well, how you find that you you're forced to concentrate more, yeah. and it actually ends up being a good thing. And that's that's sort of like that whole outward discipline sort of thing. You know, we sometimes we 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 give ourselves outward discipline, but other times God puts outward discipline on us. And the goal of it is to hear with the heart, and uh, so we discipline our body, right? As as Paul says, we put it into subjection, so that we may rightly concentrate on what is. Uh, what is caring for our soul. Well, Pastor, we're running into the final minute of the program here. Any parting thoughts or wisdom? Uh, yeah, well, I suppose just to sum it up, you know, the, the wisdom the wisdom of the world can offer some outward comfort, and it might help you get through the day sometimes. And, but always remember that the true comfort, which really puts all this other comfort to shame, is, uh, is the comfort that you only get when you realize the truth, that, you're, that your sins offend God but then that Christ has turned that offense away, it turned that wrath away for you. For you. And, and that's your true comfort, and always remember that. Well, it's like my one friend here said, you know, he didn't understand how people who weren't Christians could face catastrophic news, where we know what's going to be happening in the end. You know, you've been listening to Let's Talk, the pastors, and today's guest was Andrew Preuss of St. Paul and Holy Trinity Lutheran Churches up in Iowa. Every Friday, a uh, pastor sits in with me for a friendly chat about whatever's on our minds. Now, if you have a question or a comment about the program, email it to us at letstalk at kfuo.org. I want to give special thanks to Pastor Emeritus Fritz Bowie for letting us use his recording of All Glory, Laud, and Honor as a theme song for Let's Talk, the Pastor is In. Pastor Bowie's music and books are available at Amazon.com. I'm host Kip Allen, wishing you all God's blessings. listening to The Pastor is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor is In on Worldwide KFUO.